This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, I have a chat with Scott Snyder. You know, the guy who writes Batman? Well, we talk about comics for a bit, but mostly Disney World for an hour and a half. It's, guys, it's insane. Well, welcome back, you guys. Um, Just before we even get started, I just want to let you all know uh, that today's episode has a very different format. I talked to Scott for so long that there actually isn't the rest of the show. Um, You'll understand why when you listen to it also because it's it's just so good. It's like I've never... It's a great time. Um, But I wanted to say before we get to it uh, that if you are at San Diego Comic-Con this weekend, if you're listening to this before the show or during the show, at the Boom Studios booth, you can actually get Power Up number one. That is my brand new comic uh, with Matt Cummings on art. And uh, they have the first issue, yeah, a week and a half early um, at the booth. Now, there's only going to be 400 copies, so I would go early because I want to believe that it will be that popular. (laughs) Um, So you should do that if you're not able to come to the signing at Third Eye Comics in Maryland. Also this weekend, uh, if you are listening to this before or during July 11th, podcasts are weird that way. Time isn't real. Um, So anyway, yes, no recommendations this week. I'm sure there is going to be a complete barrage of new titles and new announcements coming out of San Diego, and we'll talk about that in the next episode for sure. Um, But yeah, uh, let's kind (laughs) of... So Scott and I talked for a super long time. And uh, just to let you know, when you're listening to the interview, um, for the first about 10 or 20 minutes, we were having some connection problems, probably because he lives in the woods, um, or it could be anything. And uh, but it does pick up. We called back and everything's smooth sailing from there. Uh, (laughs) Not a lot of talk about comics, very little talk about Batman. But if you ever wanted to hear the guy who writes Batman talk about how he was a Disney employee and character for several years of his life and how he almost gave up writing uh, to pursue that as his uh, dream goal, then you will thoroughly enjoy this. It is totally amazing. Um, So yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. Me and Scott talking Disney. Okay, so today I am talking to Scott Snyder, who is the writer of uh, not only Batman, which is a huge deal, um, but Witches from Image uh, and American Vampire and also a series I really love called The Wake. Um, and so Scott's here today to to talk to us. Hi, Scott. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I finally got my kids to sleep. They had their first day of camp today and they came home like sunburned and happy. So. <laughs> Is it, good, is it like a particular themed camp or? No, no, no. It's just sort of like a, a day camp where, I mean, every week they have different stuff. So today I have to take them to the party store because tomorrow is red, white, and blue day. So the kids got dolled up. And the oh. funniest thing is like Jack, my older boy, he always, he has this like incredible knack for picking out things that are totally inappropriate that he doesn't realize ours. Be like, 
you know, it's red, white, and blue day, dad. I need, I need chains. Like I need red, white, and blue necklaces. And then he'll go straight to like the pimp costume. Realizing <laughs> it's a pimp costume being like, well, I need to buy that because it has, it has those colorful chains that are red, white, and blue in this hat. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll leave that one off. You know, like, just keep this like incredible sonar for everything you should not have or look at at all times. And it's so funny, Kate, he's at this age right now. He's eight. And, uh, it's like he's just starting to explore, you know, the idea of 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 what does it mean to have a girlfriend and all oh. of these things that are above his head, like by far. But he, the other day, I was like, he has an, he has an iPad and he has all these like parental restrictions on it. <laughs> I am so I'm like I'm just going off the <laughs> I'm just like off in my own sorry corn maze in my head here. But anyway, the so it's like. Um, he was like using it and I went to put it away and I look and there are all these searches for like pretty second year old, second grade girl. Oh my God. Grade, you know, stuff. <laughs> I know. I was so touched. It's such a, it's like, such a oh, weirdly well. innocent thing. Pretty second right, grade Right. Except girls. then you realize you, right. And you realize you own the iPad and you're like, yeah. oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> like oh, right. That <laughs> That's in I your was, name. Like, at any moment. So yeah, <laughs> author of Batman. I was like, Jack, right. that's very sweet. And you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can never do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever. Never search that. Just ask, you know, whatever. So there, it is a very good, very good age. I'm glad they're in camp. I loved having them home, but it's nice to have my work space back to myself. Yeah. Cause when, how long have they been out of school or for, they've been out couple weeks so it's mm-hmm. you know it's like uh, oh it's yeah it's must nice, be. Must be I, nice. Love, I love having them but then i'm ready mm-hmm. to kill them by the end it's, <laughs> it's it gets a little like the shining yeah so you're like ready you're ready to have like your especially just because when you're working at home you know like yeah. that's the thing is the you 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 get so used to having like the cool the house and i have mm-hmm. like an office but and it has a big my wife got me it has like a barn door that closes it's pretty cool like slide <laughs> shut just to like completely clamp them out of it but um, even with that, like, you know, they, they're running around with their home. Like, there's no, there's no protecting from them. So that's yeah. amazing. I can't. Well, I mean, you're and you're you have the new place that's out sort of in the in the woods now. So it's even more shining esque. <laughs> yes, it is. It's really I, it's funny because growing up in the city, I did not think this is the kind of thing I would end up, you know, um, gravitating towards. But mm-hmm. I love it. It's like uh, it's really out. It's just out in the sort of woods in um, eastern Long Island. And um, it's, uh, you know, looks out at the water and there's just big trees everywhere and deer. And I don't know, it's like completely outside my wheelhouse. I'm the least handy outdoor person ever. Again, growing up in New York, it was like I would call the super for anything like to change a light bulb. So you were in in the city living in New York. Yeah, yeah. I grew up down at uh, like on 23rd Street by the East River and Waterside. I'm always so fascinated by people who who grew up in really big cities because I've always lived in like the East Coast of Canada. And it seems so foreign to me that people like Chris Anka, like grew up in L.A. Like it just seems Mm. so crazy to me. And I don't know why. Well, having kids is weird because I can't it's hard to imagine like actually having them there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was it's a weird it is a weird place to grow up because there are things that um the things I look back at and I'm like, Jesus, really? <laughs> Where, you know, like, um, it w- like we would play hide and seek in the garage beneath the building, for example. And like, you know, you would hide under a car and then someone would turn it on to like, <laughs> to get somewhere and you'd be like, I better move. And things like that. <laughs> oh, where you were like, what, what were we thinking? You know, mm-hmm. or you 
friends that that you know you you hang on to buses on skateboards and all that kind of right. like we were crazy but um it, it's you know it's it winds up realize it's not that different than any anywhere else it's just that the thing that's scary to me was like when I was a kid, a lot of us, you know, we got mugged and you get like knocked down or your hat taken or any of that kind of stuff. But um, none of us drove. So we never knew anybody that was in a car accident and mm-hmm. died or anything like that. And being out here in the in more rural area, that's the thing everyone's afraid of, you know. So it's mm-hmm. just just trading one fear for another, I guess, in some way. I I think, honestly, like I, I would – I had sort of the mix, right? Because when, when I was a kid, we lived out in the woods in Quebec. Um, and I remember really liking that. But I also, it was I was very young and I have very few memories of it. And then we sort of lived in kind of not suburbs because it, you know, wasn't prefab or anything, but like residential area. And I think that's kind of nice. But there's definitely something to be said for having the lay of the land when you're out in the woods kind of thing. And just like your playground is, <laughs> you know, wilderness. <laughs> and I think that's kind yeah, of yeah. It's it's great, and honestly, you, we we can see the which is like a for me like a dream come true. You know, it's just something that living out here there. It was always the goal was like if we live out there and we're out there and we you know there's nothing around and there's there's not a lot of um you know there's not a lot of access to there's there's little things, but it's not like living in a city where there's a museum theater mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And and it's not that we live that far out. I mean, it's just a couple hours we could drive in, but right. the goal was like. I just want to look out the window and see something pretty, you know, somewhere. <laughs> so, so it's a good, it's a good trade off. We really, we really like it, you know, I'm really, we, we fit in it well. So I'm, I'm like, I'm terrible at this stuff. My wife, Jeannie is great where we saw the house and I can, I can never, I have like no imagination as funny as that <laughs> must sound, but when it comes to like looking at a house or something, I just see the decorations and I'm like, this place, we could never live here. These paintings are awful. <laughs> You know what I mean? And she's she's like, oh, just imagine it without those. And I'm like, impossible. You know, and I I really just can't see past like the cosmetics of it. And she saw it and was like, this is going to be great. And I was like, oh, fine, you know. But you know, I, you, you, like, you know, I'm betting that it won't be. And then we move. Wow, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so all credit to her. So <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot that you have to do in a place like that. I I mean I kind of I'm either way with that. I've I did not take an apartment once when I was hunting because I hated the curtains and the lighting so much. I'm really sensitive to fluorescent lights. I can't deal with them. And this place had like a fluorescent light in the bathroom in the kitchen, and I was just like, I know I could change this, but I know that I won't. <laughs> well, that's that's the other thing. It really, I, don't know, I know it sounds really hokey, but I do feel like the kind of, you know, the feeling of a place that you live in matters. And there are little mm-hmm. things that can throw you off that way, where especially if you work a lot of, in your house. I mean, I don't oh, know if yeah. you have a studio or if you work. Yeah, I work. I have like that. a separate studio room in my house. And it's the same. It does have to be a very certain way. <laughs> See, I, sh- I feel like everyone keeps telling me I should get a studio. I feel like I should. I, had, I used to have, I have a couple of friends that were like, swore by home offices, but they had all these strange rituals too, where they would be like, I get in my suit to go to my office. What? My house, you know? No, I do it's it like, in my yeah, pajamas. Like, it made them- <laughs> well, exactly. I'm in my boxers, like I write in my, I'm like, I take pride in like, I don't own a suit. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I have one, it's, it's black and it's Never? like a funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's about it. So, but yeah, you know what it is? I grew up, um, I grew up pretty middle class. My dad was a, a resident. He was training to be a doctor when I was growing up. So it didn't, you know, like a, it's a, 
just again, just middle class. And then yeah. um, when I became a teenager, really, he uh, he became a doctor, and this was in the late '80s, and he um, just started to make a lot of money. And so we we moved up where we lived when I was about teen, and we moved up to the Upper East Side, and I was a, I went to a very preppy high school, mm. um, and I just wasn't. I wasn't comfortable with any of that stuff really um, and not against it at all. Just, it was more, it was a culture shock for me. And um, I just, I had this sort of, I always had this thing about most things um, I went to school with. It was, you know, uh, they were, a lot of them were were eager to go into finance and that kind of stuff and everything. And I was always like pride of myself. And it's, it's totally, crappy as it sounds now is like someone that would be in the arts and mm-hmm. so there was always there's still that kind of knee-jerk reaction to the idea of like getting dressed up in a suit or anything like that <laughs> i'm i'm way too old to have that childish childish like reaction to it's it. kind of it's funny teasing me. i have i have a weird like chip on my shoulder about that kind of stuff because i also grew up in like lower middle class like in you know, not in a bad situation, but uh, definitely like I don't know how to act around rich people <laughs> at all mm-hmm. or in like fancy parties or when I go to really big houses, I'm always the person that's walking around being like, oh, my God, this is so expensive because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how to process it. So it's it's very similar, although I'm more inclined to want to like get dressed up and go to something because it feels like a costume to me. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't feel well, real. I like it. It's always fun, like when you go to Las Vegas, or you go to like the Grand Ole Opry or something. You yeah. know, like the, but have I'm you been more, to the Grand Ole Opry? Oh yeah, I'm a big, I'm a very big country fan. Not not necessarily like contemporary country pop, mm-hmm. although I don't really have, I don't have as much against it as I think most people have. But it's yeah. more, I really fell in love as a, I basically like in that. I guess maybe it ties back to saying, but like in that situation of, um, in that high school. I, I wanted to find things that nobody would like but me because I sort of felt like I wanted to – I just wanted to be – some like I didn't want to like what anyone else liked there because I, I was having one of those <laughs> moments, you know. Right. And so I started to really like um, – I was like, I'm going to like Elvis. I'm just going to like something that – no <laughs> one like you – know, no, none of these like preppy, you know, kids that now I am too would like. And um, – and so I did it almost out of kind of like this is this is my thing and this is corny. And then I really actually fell in love with that music and the the rockabilly of the 1950s, and that led me to a lot of country from that time and a lot of blues. And so I, a lot of um, Americana music, I just um, is still my kind of bread and butter from early stuff from like you know the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers and you know uh, 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 all the. Robert Johnson and all all the kind of like early early Americana all the way through, all the way through like you know more modern country like Jason Isbell and mm-hmm. and uh, and Sergio Simpson and uh, you know shovels and rope. I saw them with Charles Sewell a couple of weeks ago. It was great. So <laughs> so yeah, I've been to Opry a few times and I really I really love it. I love going there. I feel like there's so many of those songs that I would never know the artist, but I know the song because I worked for like three years in a rockabilly retro clothing store. And so, yeah, all the time, anytime (laughs) I go to any sort of like diner when I'm in the States, I know every song on the jukebox and I don't, I have no idea who they're by, (laughs) but I heard them on repeat on a like 30 song CD every day. And then, you know, I can totally picture it. It's just like the Collins kids just over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There was a, well, there was one CD that was just Wanda Jackson and um, Mm. I, 
it made me really dislike her after a while just because I'd heard it so much and it took a couple years to come back <laughs> around. Um, but I'm glad that I was able to. <laughs> she's really good. Let's yeah. have a party. You know, yeah, I love, yeah. I love her. She's, yeah. but I, I know what you mean and you can get sick of this stuff, but yeah. So for me, it's weird. Cause it was like the stuff that you like, I'm going to like this because I don't really like it and nobody mm-hmm. likes it. Then really fell in love with it. And it became actually a big source of inspiration for, for writing and that kind of stuff too. You know, and I, as I got older, just liking, I love, I love, I don't know. I, I, the thing that I love about Elvis, because I'm, I'm like Elvis was the conduit, and I have like a, a really like a unhealthy love of, of Elvis and everything <laughs> Elvis. So I have like Elvis tattoos and the whole thing. So it's really? like the yeah, and I really do. Yeah, that's awesome. From when I was like eighteen, nineteen, and then when I was about twenty, when I got married, it was like twenty-seven. I got another one. So that is amazing. I have like young Elvis and mature Elvis. <laughs> I'm always so. so curious about comics people tattoos, obviously, because I'm a very tattooed person. But uh, that's really great. <laughs> they're, yeah, and they're so hidden too. I look so clean cut. With yeah, my, I, I, I was, I, I was like, honestly surprised. <laughs> I feel like so straight laced all the time too. It's in comics stuff where I have like no visible anything, and you know. I feel like I can always but, um, tell when people have tattoos too. So just like it, I've gotten this sixth sense over time, and there you go. I I would have never known yeah. that you had multiple Elvis <laughs> I'm tattoos. So, well, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I surprised you. It's very the, charming. <laughs> it was. It was. It was honestly like um. What I the reason they're hidden is because I my parents because i was young <laughs> and i was like i'm kidding them. so that was like you know. a no-go at the time yeah it was mm-hmm. but it was sort of like um you know his i was like a very anxious nervous you know um kid and i i was it was really wanted to be a, a writer and an artist i wanted to be uh really a comic book writer artist both at the time all the way through college you know up till i got to college and then in college i just didn't have access to the kinds of classes that I thought I've accessed. I actually went to college in Providence because I wanted to take classes in addition to writing classes. And then nice. their schedule wasn't the same as Brown oh. and they were on a different semester. Program, so it was really hard to get classes there because you had to leave these big holes in your schedule for weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you didn't get into a class, then you'd be down too many credits and you'd have to take more classes next semester. It was sort of a mess. But, um, at the time, you know, I wanted to get into that stuff and I was, very you know, serious about it. I had a portfolio, all that stuff, like all through high school. And that the thing always was that it was almost like um, I first fell in love with this idea of this kid who was like my age, you know, at the time, 18, who was like pimply and poor, <laughs> like nothing going for him and still went to school like, like a rock star. You know? and everyone was like shocked by this kid who came in dressed and like, you know, like he he dressed like a like like a pimp. Really, he came in with clothes from Lansky's, and everyone's like, "Who's this? Who's this asshole?" You know what I mean? But yeah. like, just that 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 strange inner self confidence really appealed to me at a time when I was, um, you know, you're very nervous and scared. And so I took a lot. I drew a lot from that. Mm-hmm. It became he. Be, it became very sort of like totemic for me in that way, where it was, you know, I, I it wasn't just um, it wasn't just him. It was a lot of those characters, a lot of people that that had done something that nobody expected from them in early American music, you know, like the Patsy Klein's and the, and the, the Hank Williams and, mm-hmm. and, you know, up, up through people. I really liked, you know, in the, in the fifties and sixties, but I was always loved those people that sort of do something that's, that, that you would think is laughable or weird and turns out to be really, 
really unique to them and, and fun and, and different, you know? So I don't know what it is. It's just those kind of strange moments, uh, always, have been, you know, been those figures have always really, um, appealed to me. So. So I have this complete obsession with uh, the behind the scenes of um, Disney. And I have a couple friends who work at one of the parks. And uh, we all got drunk on Four Loco one night, as you do, um, back in the day. And uh, they told me all this. Well, (laughs) this was like two years ago. So back in the day doesn't really (laughs) apply, but it felt good to say. Um, And they told me a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, I'm not. And who knows who these people were? I would never name them. Um, but they told me a couple things that were like behind the scenes stuff at Disney parks and, and spun off of that. I, I went online um, and continually <laughs> research the weird hidden world because I'm so fascinated by Disney in particular, and like any theme park, though. I mean, as you well know, I am obsessed with medieval times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's the greatest. Um, it is the greatest. We were just there. Oh, oh yeah. Where did did you? Which one did you go to? We went to the one. It was great. We were it was when we were in. I was in Baltimore, and I brought my son. We were signing it. I was signing at Third Eye. Oh right, because I'm going there next weekend. It's awesome. Well, you you have to go to Medieval Times. It's amazing. I really it's want great. to. It's right there. It's like super close. <laughs> I really want to. <laughs> it's great. And it's like really, it's an intense one. It was really, it was really good. They were great so nights. And then afterwards they all come out. And my son was like, he, I mean, he took, he was, he was eight. So he took it like crazy seriously. Oh, I would imagine. Just like in our night. When our night lost, he was like, I want to move. So we ran to another section and we were like, cheering for that. We were total fair-weather jazz thing fans. So. We've been, Jeremy really? and I have been five times to the one in Anaheim, oh. which is, I mean, since since October, <laughs> we have a problem. <laughs> Every time I'm in L.A., he as soon as he finds out when I'm coming, he books tickets. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, but we've won, we've won two out of five times, and I won Queen of the Tournament once. So what? I know I got a ribbon. Well, it was, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> those, no, those, I don't know. I love that sort of thing too. Me too. It's amazing. So, um, all of that kind of stuff really fascinates me. And I was researching and reading about all this stuff um, from like a former Disney princess recently. And anytime there's anything like that, I am all over it. And then I tweeted about it, and McKelvey was like, "Well, you have to ask Scott <laughs> about his tenure." <laughs> at Disney. So I'm formally yes. asking you, tell me some shit. <laughs> all right. All right. So I don't know where to begin. So I, I, I worked there for about a year, um, right after college. And, uh, I guess it was one of those moments when you're like, mom and dad, I'm going to be a writer. And my parents were sort of like, well, uh, why don't you go work at a publishing house? And I had, I had done that over the summers and I was like a publishing house. You don't understand me. <laughs> you know, like one of those, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going, I need to go have life experience. So my first move was I went down to, I went down to Florida. I drove down and um, I wanted to work at the Weekly World News, which I, this paper oh that my I had. God. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I was obsessed with Bat Boy for like years. Oh, years. I love I, Weekly I was World like, News. That photo? Right. Exactly. I love was it. like, if I could have taken a photo with the person who played that boy, I, I would have been, I would have I would, lost my I, mind. I'd be a different person. To, <laughs> anyway, um, you would be a bad I would, man. I would write nothing. Yeah. I would be, write nothing. <laughs> forever. Perfect. But anyway, the, I went down and, um, I, I went to their offices and, uh, they're run by the inquirer. So it was in, oh, I forget wow. what it's not, I think it was Hollywood, Florida or something like that, but it was, 
little further south of Orlando, and um, you go up and, and to get in the building, you ring the doorbell and say, "Inquiring minds want to know." It was really funny. Oh my god! And um, the problem, so they they let me write a couple of test articles, and the woman there was amazing. She was so funny and great about what the paper was about and what you had to do, and and I was so excited about it. And then she sort of. Um, told me that they wouldn't be hiring for a while because um, the inquirer was worried about leaks, and so they were they were screening everybody. So it was going to be a difficult process. And I was like, Oh my god, what am I going to do? Where else am I going to work? I had my heart set on this, <laughs> and um, being an idiot, like having no ulterior plans. And I had thought for a moment that maybe I'd get a job as like a you know, with King Park or something at Universal or whatever. Right, and. She was like, well, you know, Disney hires really fast. This is like pre-9-11, so they hired right. they hired me. So I was like, Disney, okay, that sounds great. So I went up, I drove up, and you go to this place, the casting center, mm-hmm. and it looks like a little castle. And you, you go in, and you wait, and they interview you. And um, I, uh, I, being, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, but I gave them the wrong social security number at the time, too. <laughs> so I was like, I, I don't want them to. At Disney is like, what if they spy on me? So then, then I actually had to like correct all of this to get paid later on. But at the time, I was like, "Oh, like, do I really want to do this?" And it's it's great. Like, it's very funny because from the moment you walk in, you start to understand that the the key to working at Disney is that they they want you to believe like in the Disney magic as an employee, not that you create the magic and that it's like part of your labor, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that it it is there. Like, you are working for Mickey Mouse. You are not working for like your boss you don't like or whoever Mickey Mouse is the ultimate boss and right. how can you ever be angry at Mickey Mouse you can't be because he's magic and so <laughs> you get it very quickly like very quickly it begins you know what I mean where it's mm-hmm. like aren't you excited are you are, you know thank you so much for coming here today aren't you excited to apply for a job in that most magical place on earth what I would tell you is that like most people that are applying for like a minimum wage job yeah are not incredibly happy to be applying for like the job that day in garbage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, <laughs> custodial or whatever. Right. But, you know, sure you are. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I got hired right away. I went in and I like gave my thing. Why do you want to work here? Cause I love Disney and you know, I have a college education. Yes. You know, all of it. Great. Well, we have an opening in custodial in the magic kingdom. <laughs> like tomorrow. And I was like, custodial, what is that? It's janitor. <laughs> Great. I'm done. I'm, uh, absolutely. Let's do it. I was like, re- I was ready to go. And my friend, I actually brought this friend with me who was like kind of, he was like humoring me on this, this whole thing. And he was like there to basically be like, this is stupid. Come home. Um, Cause my parents were like applied to grad school, like do something, you know? And I was like, never, <laughs> you know? And, uh, <laughs> And this friend of mine, Matt, he was he's great. You know, I, I love him. We're still friendly. He um he applied with me because he was like, if you're gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. So he got hired to be on the Jungle Cruise Ooh. to be uh I, yeah, he was the guy that gives the spiel and it's right. called spiel. It's a big talk called the spiel. Yeah. So he was he was hired for attractions. So he had this shishi thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, custodial. I know, I don't know what they they didn't see anything in me. But um so he did it for one day and quit. He couldn't handle it. He was like, I can't take it. You know, I was like, I think this is amazing. So the first, so you go back and they tell you you have to be there very early the next day. It's like 6 in the morning. It's like a test. And they show you a little video that's like, if you want to work in the Disney parks, and it's like a helicopter flying over the parks, but it's supposed to be like you're on like Aladdin's carpet. You know, oh it's my like, God. let's take this a magic is everything ride. everything to me. 
it is. It's like a brand new world or a whole new world, like the whole thing. And they're like, a whole new world of job opportunities awaits you. Let's talk to like this person in custodial and this person. And they're like, we love working at Disney. And then you're like flying over the kingdom again and the magic carpet. And it's just, and you can see the helicopter shadow. I mean, that's, it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, they constantly want you to pretend like as an adult, which is fascinating. And I loved it from day one. I was like, this is like amazing brainwashing weirdness that I, I cannot stay away from. I think it's incredible. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so, so you come back the next day and it's like very early. It is like a test. And we had these two women who were like mercilessly uh, cheerful from the moment you walk in and they, they show you, they train you, you know, uh, and, and they're like, your job is if you work here, the most important thing is that you 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 have to understand that everybody's here for like magical moments and right um, it, and right and right and it's like see this is this is the thing though like um, <laughs> you know this and like you you there are moments that you you don't want to give anybody a magical moment because you have had like a really bad day but when you get out on stage and you see kids you so desperately want them. Nice time. It's called on stage. Yeah, of course. Just um, wanted, just wanted back. to make sure everyone caught that, <laughs> because I think that is also one of the weirder things. But go on. Well, you're a cast member. That's the whole thing. You're a cast member. You know, so you're part of this big play. Um, and then, and you want so badly for them to have a good time because you remember you. The thing, the power of Disney to me is this, and it's it's this is I'm not cynical about it whatsoever. I bring my kid, my kids. We've gone to Disney like three times, mm-hmm. and I love taking them there. The magic of it is that um, you want desperately to be there to be a place that is this kind of wonder and this magic and this surprise and this imagination, like this world of imagination and acceptance mm-hmm. and inclusiveness and. And one of the things that's interesting is that working behind the scenes at Disney, they have a huge population of um, uh, all very, very diverse uh, workforce. They have a mm-hmm. huge um, gay population that works at Disney. Yeah, because they do like a non-named like gay day is what my friends told right, me. And it's like right. they, we everyone wears that, like actually. red shirts or something. You know, it's not there's not like a giant banner that says it, but it's done. No, they don't officially like, yeah, they don't have officially go and, and say this is you know the gay days at Disney but they totally welcome it and the people that work at Disney a huge swath of them are gay like a, a disproportionate amount of well, not I in mean, custodial but in, in attractions and in characters and those things and I, like it always fascinated me from the moment I got there like what is it about Disney that 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 attracts people from different walks of life like why isn't it just you know why isn't it just sort of people that either just, you know, want some kind of security because Disney offers these kind of health benefits and all this stuff or this. And the thing that you realize is that they really do, they are a very inclusive and and supportive community in a great way, in, in a place that is still, you know, at least, I mean, Orlando, I wouldn't, it's not like it's the South, but it's also, mm-hmm. it's, it's a community that's extremely inclusive and accepting, the Disney uh, workforce in that way. There's just people from all walks of life, and it's it, the message of Disney is just very um, is very uh, progressive in that way, which is a great thing about them. Huh. But um, the the training and the whole thing was is very funny because <laughs> it's very much about um, it's very much about like how 
you know, how you are lucky to be here to work at this place and, and be a part of the magic that is Disney. And, and, and the, you know, like, for example, and I, I so worry that I'm like, it's super talking about this, but whatever. Um, the, like, like the woman, they, they treat you, the training, basically, they treat you like a kid. And the way mm. that you either, I think you react to this is either to love it, like a lot of old people just loved it. They were mm-hmm. like, this is so much fun. I'm being treated like a child again, or you're like, you're a 20 something year old person like me sitting there like, why are you acting like a fool? You know, but this (laughs) one of the women, like for example, would come in and she'd be dressed like the clumsy janitor and she'd like trip over herself and like drop her broom and everyone would laugh and she'd be like, is this the way you're given magical moment? You know, it's like that. And you're Mm -hmm. like, no, (laughs) just like, it's just so, it's so, um, it's just, it's so, uh, it's like you either love that or you don't. It and, just seems so it, surreal to me, like just as, as a, as a workplace. And I always was mildly fascinated about it because I grew up reading a lot of Carl Hyacin books and mm-hmm. he's I in Florida. Yeah, me too. And they were, you know, my mom was really, really into him and Christopher Moore. So I was reading those when I was a kid, like you know, young and early teens. And he writes a lot about Disney because he's from Florida, Carl Hassan does. And so I was always kind of fascinated by it. Uh, and then, you know, when I, I met these friends who worked there and just finding out the stuff and then and then doing more research, like there's certain things that for some reason stick in my mind so much, like not not just the tunnels underground about how people mm-hmm. have to like walk under them so that you don't, but the reasoning behind it of like, you can't have, you know, a pirate walking through Tomorrowland because it ruins the experience and how there's the weird. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weird smell. And line of sight. You can't do. have two. Yeah. yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't have two characters anywhere in the same line of sight. And you can't. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And the room I mean, where they have like four Cinderella's at one time and everyone thinks it's just them meeting Cinderella. And but it's like a weird room that like is a circle right. or something yeah, yeah. it just seems so well so so yeah, no totally and my trajectory there you know what honestly the training is the part that i always get worried i'm gonna get sued talking about because i think that's <laughs> like and they make you sign like a million nda things but the thing is it's basically like um to make a long story short or to skip over it to like my to the experience i feel like is much easier to talk about or like much safer <laughs> to talk about it's yes. the, the training is funny because they again they want you to buy into the idea that you're you're part you're you're lucky to be part of this magic and um for example like if if you're my my feeling was like this like the number one rule is to smile and greet every guest Mm -hmm. and one of the things that they suggest in some way you know or the, the the other people in the room suggested other people that were going to work there so maybe this isn't disney suggesting this maybe this is just the mood is that you know to to smile the way you're really supposed to smile, you have to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people in the room, other people applying for the job are talking about this, like, well, what is a smile? What well, means it's an expression of happiness, da da da. And um, you know, if you think about it, like if your job is to smile and greet every guest, but you can only smile if you're genuinely happy and the re- you can only smile correctly, then you have to be happy to be doing your job. And if you're not happy, you're kind of failing at your job somehow. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're not that's a there's weird, just things like that yeah. where it's like it's not, <laughs> it's not even their double think it's the kind so of double weird. think that i think people that work there start to put on themselves because mm-hmm. there are some serious like there are people that work there all day long 
and you listen to the same music all day long. And the music is very like, you know, you, it's soothing and it's not abrasive. It's just that Main Street. I worked on Main Street as a janitor and then I worked my way into characters. So I, I was a character also. Ooh. I know. <laughs> Did you like like full mascot style or like mm-hmm. handsome I was, I was Buzz Lightyear and Eeyore and <gasps> what? Pluto. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> That's yeah. the greatest thing I've ever heard. So, <laughs> I, was, I was the real deal. Yeah, it was fun. Wow. It was crazy. So, so that, um, but as a janitor, your job was like, <laughs> your job is basically like the first day I remember the woman that trained me, her name was Noelle and she was like 60 something years old. And you're like looking at her and I'm like, why do you have to do this horrible job? I feel terrible for you. You know, cause it's not a horrible job, but for an old person, custodial is tough. You well, push yeah. this giant cart. that's like a ton. And you're out in the heat street, and there's a million and, people. Yeah. And your job is to collect 36 cans of garbage into eight cans, like stuff it into eight cans, take it, the cart back down Main Street, and then dump it in this thing called the EVAC that like sucks it all away. And if you don't do it before the parade, you're totally fucked because oh my God. It, it starts all over again. Like you have to do it before the parade because if it's the parade, you get locked in with this huge tongue cart. I got stuck in the parade. Uh, so, I mean, as a, as a pedestrian, so I understand <laughs> Well, imagine pushing this cart. Yeah, so she was no. teaching me. She was showing me the ropes. I remember the first day. She's like, "Oh, you know." She's like, two things. You got to remember: hang on to your gum scraper. You clip it onto your belt. And she's <laughs> like, and, "And don't ever let anyone, you know, you lock up your pan and broom because someone will take it. Someone will take it from you." And I'm like, "God, God help this poor old lady that's like has to push this huge thing, you know." And her pan and broom was like totally wrecked. And she was like, someone took my good one. Someone took my good one. And I literally, they gave me a new one. And I'm being like, well, do you want mine? And she was like, you don't really mean that. I was like, yeah, take it. And then I was so mad that I had given it away the next day because actually it really matters because the pan, if the pan doesn't hit the ground and it's like bent, you can't sweep anything up and it sucks. And you wind up picking all the shit up off the ground oh with your God. hands. Now, you can't is like it, sweep it into your pan. Is it a thing? Because I had read this reason. I went through this really long list of like, weird things that you you might not know about Disney. Not like, you know, dark secrets or anything, but just like stuff that wouldn't occur to you that is like everyone is supposed to pick up garbage. Like even if you're, you know, in costume or whatever. And I I don't know if that's true. Well, in costume, I know you're not supposed to. Okay. In costume, you're just, you don't. But in, yeah. um, I don't know if that's true for attractions and whatever. I assume it is. But mm-hmm. they have a garbage can every 17 or 18 feet. They tell you this on your first tour because Walt Disney apparently – put no garbage cans in on the first pass at Disneyland to watch how off, like how long it took someone to throw something on the floor mm-hmm. so that it was like 17 feet. So they put, they have garbage cans like oh every, exactly where you would begin to think, I want to drop this thing on the that ground. Is and the stuff, yeah. That's the stuff that completely fascinates me is like the, the insane, you know, hyper uh, calculated method of fun, you know, like the, oh, totally. the formula like, for fun. For example, <laughs> They they understand that it's more human brain to walk to the right side and not the left side. So that's why it's designed for you to go up the right side around Disney World and to the left on the way out. And the stores are on that side. That is it's so like and more stores are on that side, like the Emporium. So there's there's a whole math to it that's that's like its own its own weird science. But so the the custodial was like that, and custodial was like it was like hard labor. I was in the best effing shape of my life. I, <laughs> I kind of loved it because I, I literally I had pictures of myself at this age with a six pack. I was like I was ripped from, from picking up trash at Disney. Like, 
it really I was like I was as skinny as a beanpole and like whatever and the um the the I loved it like I got I it was paid minimum wage I didn't mind it was five fifteen an hour at the time oh my god and um what was great about it was also they give you this book of things called at the time it was called Donald's deals and so um the way the thing about Disney is that you could be making minimum wage but because they um, have ties and support so many places in Orlando everywhere gives you a discount so my housing was I heard about that my, oh my god your housing yeah my Everywhere you go, your dental, everything is discounted. It's in this book. It's a thick book called, it's called Donald's Deals, and it's Donald.com. Oh and um, so, so like, your cost of living drops by, like, a quarter or a third working at Disney. So you feel like you're making more money than you are because yeah. you're, you're suddenly things don't cost as much. You can go out to the bar and drink cheap. You know, all of it is cheap. So um, there's a discount for everything that you could want. So it was great. Amazing. You know, I loved it. I was a kid. <laughs> That's the only so downside was that, like, as custodial at Disney, you were totally not, like, I, I was, like, I was very much on the lookout for a girlfriend or something at the time. Like, I was, like, oh, you know, I'm single. I had just gotten out of a relationship, and I was, like, uh, and as custodial, like, nobody, mm. <laughs> nobody wants to. You're the bottom of the ladder. You're the bottom of the ladder. Now, is it easier as Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, that was the whole thing. So even though you're still making minimum wage, that's the irony of the entire that thing. That is so like, weird. I would have yeah. thought it would definitely be more. No, it's as not a, more. Like, it's as a, same. what is it, face face character? Is that? No, face character is like when you don't wear a mask. Oh. A fur. Fur. Okay. <laughs> it's called fur when you're it's in a fur. In a so Buzz Lightyear is yeah. fur? I thought that Yeah, even though been... he's one of the few, he's really one of the only costumes that has no fur on it. No. Whoa. The thing I loved about Buzz Lightyear, I'll get, I'll totally get to how I became Buzz Lightyear, but my, I'm, I'm, the thing, so custodial, <laughs> the I also, custodial I loved because it was, it was hard labor and you went home tired and, and it was great. I went out with my friends to a bar afterwards and, went to, and they were a great bunch of people, but custodial is also like hard scrabble people. It's a lot of the people that they want to be behind the scenes and stuff like that too, because you're the most invisible. So the people that like, they're not, you're not quite the people you want in attractions you put in a custodial, you know what right. I mean? Like the people that like aren't quite, um, maybe don't quite have the social aptitude for like the counter, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, um, the store counter or retail, you put them in custodial and they they get the garbage, you know what I mean? So it was like, and that's not, I don't mean that in any way in a disparaging way about people custodial, I just mean they're, they're people that maybe are not as for Disney, the people that they're as eager to put out front for whatever reason, whether mm-hmm. it's because they're whether, and, and it's Disney again is a very accepting place, but it's, it you, it's usually people who you don't want to be out front, don't want to talk to people, want to do their job and go home. Yeah. You know, also, um, you know, people who, there were a lot of people with disabilities and custodial, um, you know, different kinds of, different kinds of, uh, 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 disabilities, physical, but also, you know, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, so so it was a great bunch of people. I love them. Mm-hmm. I was like a family. Took me in immediately. <laughs> Noel, she loved me because I gave her my broom. Of course. And then they were very, they were very good. <laughs> they were very good to me. They were very funny. They called me like they were like a college boy and all that stuff. <laughs> and, did you still? Um, did you still have to wear an outfit? Like yes. Well, every day you go in. Yeah. And you change, you go into, you take a bus through the back of these orange mm-hmm. groves into the back of Disney. Right. And 
you Which check is like the in, only way to card. get to that place too. <laughs> yeah, I still have my card. It's like That's a very amazing. innocuous road. It's like a yeah. road you wouldn't notice. I still have my Disney ID and um and I still have my coat, everything. I stole my coat. You, you have to check everything in at the end. Oh or my they, God. They, they yeah, I know. My friends leave. have to check everything. And they check your bag. But yeah. we had a whole system where I'd give it to somebody that took it on the monorail. And then they took it on the monorail because they were off that day. And then I would get it on the other side. You are. So it was a whole thing. That is some serious shit. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was deep in the shit. <laughs> I, I still have my shirt. I still have my stuff. I'll show where They're going to come after you. San Diego. San Diego. I'll show you. It says Magic Kingdom. It says, it's it's a, I love it. It's my favorite thing. It's like this coat that says Magic Kingdom. That's so Anyway, uh, my custodial coat. But so custodial, you wear a white outfit because it's like the most invisible thing right. you can wear. It's just white. Yeah, I was trying turquoise. to think about it because I feel like it's one of those things that they, you know, it's one of those calculated uh, things to mess with your brain. But like, I was trying to think about it, and I, I mean, I've been to both Disneys now just in the last two years, and I don't remember, like, even seeing people cleaning stuff up. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think well, about white, it. Well, white, I just don't think you notice white. I think that's what yeah, it is. So, so weird. So I did that, and I did it for quite a few months, and I was really good friends. The people were awesome. Like, they, were the, mm-hmm. they would go out afterwards to the Olive Garden. <laughs> and at the time, the Olive Garden had like this. They had this, and we had did Donald's deals. Donald's deals so for the Olive Garden, yeah. and, of course. And so we would, do you get like extra all, unlimited breadsticks? It was it, everything is on. Yes, it was like everything's unlimited. Everything. Bottomless. And the best part was that the, the wine at the time. The wine at this. The wine. I still remember this. The wine at the Olive Garden was on our honor system. So what? you would have this huge jug, this huge jug, and you would be like, "I drank this many glasses," and so I would go out with these guys like Paul. And and Chris Isbell, all these guys, I was like <laughs> really good. I love them. I still remember all of them, you know. The, and and I, and we would go out, and we they would drink the whole jug except like barely anything, and they'd be like, "We had one glass." And the person would come over and be like, "Well, what do you mean?" And they'd be like, "Are you insulting our honor? This is our system." <laughs> so it was it was it was just a great. <laughs> rabble of total awesome people and like they they were i just remember them so well like it was like one of this guy paul i don't know what his deal was but like he seriously believed that he could sing exactly like seal and he was this like big heavy dude he loved hunting he was like 20 something years old big heavy white dude <laughs> he drove a car that had a garbage bag over one window because the window was broken and i was like do you you don't want you have the money to replace that. And he's like, No, I think it, it's like it makes me mysterious. And I was like, It definitely makes you mysterious, dude. You know, I love him so much. And he was like, one night we were all drinking and he's like, I have a confession to make. He's like, I can sing just like Seal. I was like, Oh my god. You must Did you make him do it? Like, yes, and I still have the video too. I was like, go. I was like, you know, kiss from a rose, go. I'm like, oh he did it, and he sounded nothing like Seal. He sounds <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was like, I wish he sounded like Seal. I do, but all of us were like, that was great, Paul. You know, like, it was great. Of course. Of like course. But I, I, loved I loved these guys. I really did. We had a great time, you know, and and a lot of them honestly had very, they had tough lives, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I was moonlighting, you know, in the way that it's, I was a very privileged kid. I'm coming down, I had an Ivy League education, I'm there, I'm there because I just want to have a different experience in life. I wasn't there to pander or whatever, I just, yeah. I literally, I had grown up very sheltered in New York City, and and I had a middle class upbringing, and then an upper class upbringing as a teenager. I wanted to experience the mouse. Like, 
I just I just wanted to have some kind of experience where yeah, it was like it wasn't perfectly it wasn't scripted by what my my life should be. And, and yet you um, chose a job at the most scripted place on earth. I know, but it was it was people <laughs> I never would have met. And yeah. I just loved I loved being there. And so about four months in though it started to get kind of boring in the way that like the labor was hard, a couple of my friends had left and this audition came up and they're like they posted and they're like, There's an audition for characters and I was like, Oh, what does that mean? And they're like, well, you go to this gymnasium and they mm-hmm. teach you a dance and you have to remember this dance and do it in front of this panel of people. Yeah. And I was like, I am so down for this. I can't <laughs> wait. Like, let's do this. So I went to this audition and they teach you this dance and the dance is basically to be like a dwarf, like a set of dwarf, right. you know, like a, like hi-ho, hi-ho kind mm-hmm. of dance where you turn on your heel. And at the end you do this kind of explosive, ta-da, like I'm here. And it's like all these people desperate to move up from their cast at Disney World, like to the next level. So it's like, you know, you get called in batches and you do it. And my friends and I at the time both did this thing. And I, I was like so into it. I was like, I have to get this job. I really want this job. Like, so I like really practiced the dance. They taught us and I was really into it. And then I did it and I was awful. I did this like explosive ta-da and I like landed wrong on my knee and the whole thing was bad. And I was just, like, looking at them, like, please call me. And then they didn't call me, and, like, days went by, and I knew I was screwed. I was never going to get the job. And then, miraculously, a few weeks after, they called me. And they're like, you know, I see it on my phone. I'm like, Disney, huh? I pick it up. And I'm like, well, we have, you know, Mr. Snyder, we have, we're really very impressed with your audition, which I knew was a lie. But it's, like, everything. <laughs> like, when you're training, I still remember this. Like, in the first day of training, <laughs> They put this thing on the board where they were like, there are no wrong answers in this class. We just want you to know, so don't be afraid to, to answer anything. And they're like, what is synergy? And this dude was like, when things fall apart, and they're like, right, when things come together. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? It was oh. like that. And you're like, oh. when they were like, it's so unsettling. Saying, we love your, I know, they're like, we love your audition. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much even though you know you wanted to be like no I know you didn't but and they were like we have an opening and it's um it, it's a costume that people it wasn't very popular it was Buzz Lightyear and I was like I am so in yeah Buzz Lightyear who would say no to that and I was like, well so here's why so I so I went in and I tried it on and the costume I loved it from the moment I tried it on it's all foam mm-hmm. so it's like a superhero and he also he has a stamp so he doesn't have to sign his name which is oh. actually a yeah, because you have to, like, master that signature. You have to master that signature, and you have to put it on your nose and look through, like, two little holes, and it's very hard. Yeah. After a while, you're not good at it. Um, but Buzz has a stamp, and he just stamps the book and makes an awesome superhero pose and feels the kid's muscle, and it's like, wow, you're so strong. Or is like, you know, like, let's pose together to infinity, and, you know, it's, it's a great job. Yeah. And I was like, this is me. I love it. I love it. And they were <laughs> like, great, do it. And so I started being Buzz Lightyear at the MGM Studios. And you go in the morning and you do calisthenics. Oh, my God. Everybody. And then they give you check out eight, eight shirts and eight shorts, eight pairs of sh- shirts and eight shorts. And the reason is because you sweat through the costume every time you go out. You well, go this, out is, this is true because I very briefly worked uh, – my first ever job was at Build-A-Bear Workshop um, when I was, like, 15. And I – after like two, maybe two or three weeks of working there, uh, they were like, do you want to be the mascot? And you just walk around in the mall. But you're absolutely right. It is. It's <laughs> disgusting. Like you get so gross. <laughs> well, 
that's what I'm saying. You get so gross. And but this is so you have like eight changes of clothes, and mm-hmm. you you drink Gatorade that's free all day long, and you never pee. It just comes out of you. And like if if I was in good shape being a, a janitor, I was like an Adonis at the end of the character. <laughs> <So I was> like, <laughs> seriously, I, I still look back wistfully at these pictures of myself after. As Buzz Lightyear. Anyway, oh but um. God. So so I was puzzled that year, and I loved it. I was like, this is the best job in the world. You use calisthenics, and then you go. And the funniest thing I'll tell you is I said it in the back of Witches, so you might have heard this, but, like, my best memory of the entire time I worked at Disney was as you're training to be a character, you go, you do it for a few days, and they take you to the actual Disney place that you're working at. So I was at MGM Studios, and MGM Studios was really cool at the time where it was, like, they actually still did some animation stuff there, mm-hmm. and there was the kind of with the Pixar, it was kind of maybe some people were there. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. And um, you're in this gymnasium and they, they they teach you like this is this is, you know, you gotta be cartoony, you gotta be bigger than life. You don't want to be you're on a stage that you people see you from hundred feet away. You have to be big and and you know, if kids come up and they're scared, you gotta show them you're soft, like you show your show them your hand, like, like pet it, you're soft, you're soft, play peekaboo. <laughs> and then if the kid keeps screaming, they're like just you just back away. Just back away and smile. <laughs> and they also teach you, it's really funny, they teach you all these things where they're like, how to be patient, you have a handler, never stop when you're not mm-hmm. supposed to stop. Like, make sure that you, you you always know your line of visibility because the costumes are your very restricted visibility. Like, as Eeyore, for example, you look mm-hmm. out of the, like, two eyes. And as Pluto, you look out of the mouth and the eyes. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you swing your head from side to side. That's what I, because I, you, that's how you see. You're that's like, crazy. you're like watching like a periscope, like left <laughs> to right. And it looks like they're kind of galumphing by or being, but they're really, I, you're like looking to make sure you're not stomping on a kid. Or you're like, and, um, you know, so they teach you all this stuff, and they teach you also, like, to be patient with, with groups of people. They're, it's really funny. They're, like, just so you understand, they're, like, uh, you know, you have cultural sensitivity. They, they, they do a thing, too, that's really funny where it's, like, why someone has a bad day. And they walk you through this video where it's, like, why the angry the angry guest and how to deal with the angry guest. And it's, like, why the angry guest is angry. They've had this kind of day where their mm-hmm. tire fell off and then they lost their luggage and here they are and they have to wait in line. And all they want from you is to apologize and to be the nice guy. And they're right. Like, it's a, it's a great training. But the other thing is they teach you, like, how certain groups um, – have different have cultural differences and like lines don't necessarily mean the exact same thing and that lines sometimes for certain culture you know people from certain cultures they might not be as they might not understand that like jumping over to say hello to you before getting back online makes other people think they're cutting the line and mm-hmm. all this stuff so they go through this whole thing about how to be sensitive and also they're like the 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 funny thing is they're like and you can never take off the costume. If you take off the costume in public, no matter what happens, you know, you're fired. And yeah. It's a big deal. So you have to absolutely, absolutely say, and you cannot talk. Nobody can talk. And if you're in trouble, you know, you give the signal. You're sort of like, you know, I'm sleepy. Like, rub your eyes really fast. Like, I'm sleepy. I'm oh. sleepy. You know, if you think you're going to pass out or anything like that for the heat or whatever. That's amazing. And so Buzz was great because he was foam and you got lots of breeze. It was great. But the reason that nobody wanted to be him, I think, and this might sound terrible, is because a lot of people that go into characters want to be actors. Mm-hmm. There really is a huge contingent of people that want to be like face characters and right. want to be dancers and actors. There's a big theater crowd. Mm-hmm. Buzz Lightyear is like a very restrictive costume 
in that it's all foam, so you can't dance. You just kind of lumber around. Right. And, you know, and, and do your awesome. pose. <laughs> right. so he's kind of like the bottom choice for people that are want to be expressive in terms of showing what they can do as an actor or a mm-hmm. dancer or that kind of stuff. So I loved it. I was like, Buzz is awesome. And the kids love him and Toy Story yeah, 2 yeah. had just come out. Oh, yeah. Was like, so, and I was awesome. with Woody. And it, was, it was really fun. And um, <laughs> and then they were like, do you want to be Pluto and Eeyore as well on different days? And I was like, sure. And so I was Pluto in this diner where it was like a rockabilly diner where it's a 50s diner and you dance with the kids. And I love that too. Although Pluto's tough because they pull his tongue. They, his tongue hangs down. <laughs> they pull the tongue and you're just like, uh and the other thing is you, like, see parents. The funny thing about being a character is, like, you, the kids, like, wait online forever to see you, and then they often will freak out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and when they freak out, the parents freak out. Mm-hmm. And, like, they get so mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just, like, they're like, if you're not going to smile for this picture, I'm going to smile for you. And they're, like, pushing the kid's face oh, up you know, over the picture. I wouldn't know how stuff. to deal with that. It's it's hard. It's hard, mm-hmm. but you you get it too. You're just sort of like I'm yeah. soft. I'm, I'm walking away. I think I'm soft. my favorite is the kids who will wait, uh, you know, for like an hour to get up to talk to someone, and then and then they get so scared that they just can't oh. do anything, you know. And I feel so bad for them, but it's also kind of like sweet, <laughs> where they're just <laughs> like, this is a god well, to Buzz, them, you know. Well, Buzz was great because you could make them laugh really yeah. quick, and I loved it. Like Eeyore is tough because he's just fucking glumph and you can't really do much <laughs> as well i think it's also when you're in that kind of a costume it's not as intimidating as like you know cinderella you're not a person <laughs> that yeah, is the real buzz, embodiment you of down, your dreams yeah and like buzz you can get down on your knee and you're like you point to his muscle and you're like show me your muscle and the kid even if he's scared will do it and you feel it and then you like fall back you're like whoa you're so strong you know what i mean and then yeah. you're like you go up to them and you're like, will you be my space ranger? You're like, you and me, like high five. You high five them and then they're awesome. They love you. And then you're like, you know, there's ways of, with Buzz, you're a superhero. It was really fun. It was really That's, easy. I loved it. Yeah. I was, I was really, I, honestly, I really feel like I, maybe I was a better Buzz Lightyear than I am a writer. <laughs> like, ever. Like I don't know about that, but I, I truly wish that it's something that, uh, that I could have seen. <laughs> So here's, here's my favorite story. And then, again, I, I said this at the end of Witches, so maybe you know this one. But um, So in the last day of training at MGM, <laughs> they, they you go home with these, like, videos of your character also to watch to get in character, which is pretty funny because it's like you're watching a cartoon, you know? But you're, well, like, like the movie of Toy Story or, like, a person dressed as Buzz Lightyear? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, like the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's well, I don't know. It could be. Um, no, no, no. That, well, that, that would be the more logical. Yeah. The more, like your, yours would be the right way, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so our trainer, he was awesome. He was this guy. He was like, he, he had trained many classes. And so on the last day, you get in the costume that you're going to be in. And I was with this young woman and this young guy. They're both Hispanic. And the woman was Mickey Mouse. And the dude was Chip from Chip and Dale. And they right. were both great. They were like dancer type, you know, like really, really into it. And um, they were like, uh, okay, on this day, you you know, we're going to go around and say hi to everybody in the studio, be in character. So it's this weird thing where you like walk around the entire area, like the entire building, and everyone that sees you acts like they're a kid. And they're like, oh, hello. But they're adults, like at work. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, hi. It's this weird pantomime of like the whole thing and then the best part is you get back to the gymnasium and this dude is like all right he's like 
some people don't agree with this, but I'm going to do this. He's like, this is the way I like to train you guys. And he puts on, takes out this like boom box and puts in a tape and pushes the button and rump shaker comes on. Like oh Rex and effects. I know. Oh and he's like, I want you to dance however you want to dance for the next five minutes because after that, you will never be allowed to be out of character when you're in this costume ever. So get it out of your system right, right wow. now. And I was like, oh, my God, all right. So, you know, I, I can't really dance while I'm, like, in this lumbery costume where I'm, like, dun 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 And I'm seeing out of this, like, small hole in the thing. I, I think I was Pluto. I don't remember if I was Pluto or Eeyore this day. <laughs> or Rafiki. Rafiki is the worst. Nobody wants to be Rafiki Why? away from the Lion King. Why? Because it's, it's a double costume because you wear tights and you wear butt pants. Pads and chest pads. It's even this huge ass oh pad to, to like look like the monkey and this big chest pad. And then you wear a fur coat over it. Oh so you, the way the way they tell you like how to prepare. One of the days, like our trainer, he was again, he was awesome. I loved him. He's like, you want to know what it feels like? Go just go sit in your car. He's like, go out and just leave your car off and sit in your car and go put on a fur coat in your <laughs> oh, car. And I was like, that's right. And Do they give just you like, like those ice packs or anything? In the costume, or no, do you no, just no, have to suffer? No, you're out there. Oh, my no but God. you're only out there for like you know half an hour or twenty minutes, oh, okay. half an hour, and you're back. And then you change your clothes because mm-hmm. you sweat through everything. That's why they give you all those clothes. And then you go back out there, and you're back and forth and back and forth. So the day is just back and forth, like mm-hmm. you know, drinking Gatorade, going out, drinking Gatorade, going out. And um, I mean, yeah, I loved it. But the um. And then when the weather is different, they have different stages. If it's really hot, it'll be like weather three. It's like weather one, weather two, weather three. And if it's like weather three, you're only out there for a little bit. And if you pass out, they'll come up and they'll be like, oh, you you silly. Why are you falling asleep? Like, you're taking <laughs> oh, my God. Taking How often does that happen? Is well, that- I only saw it happen a couple of times. But on the very first day that I trained, <laughs> I passed out or I fell down. Oh I, I fell backwards. And sort of <laughs> realized like that I was like a turtle. Like, did you get not get back up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I had tripped, but the more I think about it, I, there wasn't really anything around to trip on. I was Rafiki. Yeah. And so I was like, and I and I tripped. It was my first day, and it was one of those things where everything came together the wrong way. Where like mm-hmm. I was Rafiki. They told me they're like, you know, you want to watch out because. Because there's big groups of, of, of kids here for Brazilian Brazilian it's like uh, Brazilian uh, uh, fans I guess it's like 15th birthday is a big deal and they come in a big very big group and they have flags you know to find each other and they they kind of all come at once so they're like uh, you know just they're like be aware sometimes there's like big groups of people will suddenly appear and like if it's a Brazilian 15th birthday just you know <laughs> be aware of it and I was like okay okay so I was like <laughs> Rafiki. On this day, which is again the worst, because and the other thing that sucks about Rafiki is you have a staff with these like two fruits on it that's mm-hmm. like, just terrible. And then on top of that, everybody wants you to hold up their kid to be the Lion King, right. and you can't. You're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed oh. to hold up the kid. It's like a liability. Right? Obviously. Yeah. No, obviously. Why won't you hold up? Why won't you, <laughs> why won't you lift up this infant? <laughs> you can't just shrug. You know, it's, well, it's not even infants. It's like big kids, you oh, know, and God. you're like, I couldn't lift that kid if I tried. Yeah. But you're just like <laughs> shrugging, you know, shrugging with your staff. You're like, what? Do you, and do you like, have like a handler there at that hey, point to go, to no, you can't do that? Or are you on your own? Well, there is. And yes, yeah. usually they do. But sometimes they get distracted, in which right. case you're sort of like, Wah. you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why I can't lift them up, shaking your head. I'm soft. I'm soft. Like, I don't know. Like short circuit. You don't know what to do. It's like. <laughs> 
once, you know? And so that, that happened to me on the first day. And I, I, I was by a store. That's the other thing they tell you. Don't sit, don't stand by the entrance to a store because people come out behind you. And I was by a store. This Brazilian 15th birthday came at me. I was a mess. I was just like, <laughs> I didn't want to And the next thing I knew, I was like, did I just trip or did I pass out? And like my handler's over me and, and they're like, are you being silly? Are you, are you, are you falling asleep? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Cause I didn't want to get fired. It was like literally like one of my first days and I put my staff down I got up and I'm like, hello. Um, but the, um, the, uh, the, so the, so the guy puts on rump shaker, right? And he's like, anyone can dance whoever they want. And so like, I'm kind of lumbering around and, uh, and I turn, and the woman that's Mickey Mouse is like this fucking amazing dancer, like club dancer, you know, dancing and dancing. And the dude's chip is like dancing, and they're dancing together, and I'm like, oh, that's really funny. And then the Mickey Mouse woman like turns to me and starts coming towards me dancing. And I was like, literally watching, you're watching Mickey Mouse, like full costume, <laughs> come at you with these like crazy ass club moves, like sexy club moves, and you're like, oh my god. I'll never forget it till the day I die. Like literally the music, like whenever Rump Shaker comes on, all I picture is like Mickey Mouse, like twerking, and you know, all this kind of shit. Like, oh my god. It was, the, it was the best, it was like the best memory from Disney. So anyway, so I was... Buzz and then I was I was Rafiki and not really Rafiki. I only did that a couple of times. I was mostly Pluto, um, Eeyore, and Buzz. And then I did that for a few months. And then I got into grad school for writing. And, and you decided I, to go is, be an adult? Is, <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, I was going to turn it down. I got, oh I got into like Columbia, which was like my dream. I, was, <laughs> I got into the school that I really wanted to go to. I was like, you know, really. And then. This, so what happened was Disney calls me up, right? And I'm loving this, by the way. Now I have a girlfriend. That's the other thing, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, at Disney? And she worked in retail. Yes, at Disney. Okay. At Disney. She was, she, was, she was great. Her name was Shay. You know, I, I really was – I thought she was terrific. She was uh, uh, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and, uh, <laughs> and we had a really good time together. It was when, you know, I, was, I only had a couple girlfriends. I, I was never – like I, you can imagine, I was not like a Lothario at all in college or anything. Like I had a couple serious girlfriends, and I had gone here and I had no girlfriends. Then she was this woman that I really, I saw she was working in the store, and I was like, God, yeah, I'm gonna ask her out. And then as a janitor, I was just like, I'm never gonna, it's never gonna oh, work. Right. She was in the college yeah. program. So wow. there are people that come in there in this college program there, and they they're kind of like housed in a different place, and they're part of a different thing and you know it's you don't really mix very much you know so it was sort of like how am I gonna like break this wall um and um I remember she she uh went to this she was really into blues and I was into blues she went to this they had like a BB King um what's it called House of Blues at Pleasure Island oh not like way too much information or whatever but she um she went (laughs) I knew she had to she liked to go to this place, and I went, and uh, and she was like, "Oh, you like this music?" I was like, "Yeah, you know." And, uh, she was African American, I was white, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, I really like it." And she was teasing me, and I was like, "No, I really, I really do." And I liked it. We started dating, and I was like, you know, over the moon. So we were. That was my girlfriend for for characters, and I was like, "This is the best job I ever had. She's awesome." You know, she was basically she was kind of staying with me, and that was it was great. And then Disney comes to me, and I get, I get into grad school, and I'm like, grad school, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You know? And and um, 
Disney comes to me and they're like, listen, you're doing a good job. <laughs> we have a job offering for you. There's an opening possibly in Disneyland Tokyo. Um, and over there, you're tall enough to be Prince Charming. Oh, my and God. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Prince Charming is like, the, obviously, the, like yeah, that's the like, golden ring. Yeah, you don't. Right. That's the so here, the height, the height is different. Yeah. And I'm not tall enough to be Prince Charming. But there, oh. I would be. And I was like, yes. I was like, that is a yes. That is, I'm going. And it's like, again, you're working. I'm still making like minimum wage. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so one of my friends, like one of my close friends, I, if you ever, I wrote this book called Severed. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. My, well, the guy that wrote it with me, he's my oldest friend from high school. He had like, I was a little comic geek in this preppy high school and he had blue hair and like the Smiths and the Cure. And that was us. Like yeah. he had long blue dreadlocks and and we were friends with you. The only other, the other friend was like one of the only black kids in school. And the three of us were like, you know, we're still very good friends. They were like mm-hmm. the best men. In my I had a very life. similar so group he, in high school. It's like the four yeah, weirdos. So he, he came down. <laughs> he came down. I don't know if it was like he spoke to my parents or he just came down on his own. Like he came down and was like, "I am going to break you of this trance <laughs> that you're in, <laughs> and you're going to graduate school." for writing which is what you've always wanted to do and I was like you don't understand I could be Prince Charming <laughs> and he was like you know it was really just like one of those moments when it's like smack 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 like do you hear yourself and so um, did they have to do like a clockwork orange thing and <laughs> like well, brainwashing sort of, well no it was just that I was having so much fun it was it was like mm-hmm. you know like I was making no money but I could still pay for my crappy apartment and you know you just, I had made it up this tiny ladder, it like, which made, which in the real ecosystem of the world is like nothing, but in that ecosystem is everything. Mm-hmm. Like I had gone from being, I had like made it, I had like made it up from the lowest, you know, job at Disney World to like the top. And like mm-hmm. now it's going to be a top, top, like the international Prince Charming. And that was like my whole thing. And Tokyo Disney like, is supposed to be like pretty amazing. So again, I could, maybe I would have been a better, I'd be more successful life <laughs> i think you probably made the right choice what if i like quit batman right now on your show to go like, go back and do that you know what we'd we'd probably win an award so i'm not going to tell you not to but uh well, as a sensible friend <laughs> when i bring my kids to disney i always want to be like uh if i could just get in that costume one time it'd be pretty fun but the um <laughs> so that was my friend came and basically kind of shook me out of it and I went to grad school and and you know and that was that was it that was That's it crazy. and then and then you yeah so. so how to I mean we're gonna spend like four minutes of this podcast talking about comics because that uh was the greatest conversation I've ever had um but <laughs> <laughs> I literally I'm I'm just oh wait wait I have one one quick question uh read Disney did you ever see or like see anyone going into that se- like club 33 like the secret club that they have uh that o- is the only place that has booze in Disney because I'm obsessed no, with it. I heard about this yeah I heard about this and I asked and people there would be like oh that's not real and then it someone is. Told me it I saw real. photos I was deep well, in the well, internet and then people told me it was but then <laughs> I, no I never club 33 I was never in I was never in I heard about it though it's in the and French Quarter in, that's all I know yeah in the, in the tunnels it was always like uh I don't know. There was always whispers about stuff. It was funny. The tunnels were hilarious because you'd see like Tinkerbell down there reading Guns and Ammo. You know what I mean? You'd be like, 
You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Snow White with her wig off, just like talking to her girlfriend or whatever. And you're yeah. like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's like the best. So <laughs> the funniest thing is like Epcot where like all, they, they take all these foreign students. These people come on, like these kids come on like foreign exchange program. Mm-hmm. And if you're German, you like work in Germany and sell lederhosen and like a Stein mm-hmm. thing. And so many of them were just like, <laughs> you know, like, frustrated by the idea that they were there selling these things and I, I don't know if they like I'm sure they understood what they were getting into but then once they're there they're like yeah. so a lot of the custodial people when I was with custodial they're like you know where you go you know where you go to like find find like a girlfriend or whatever you go to Epcot because <laughs> they hate their job they're like you go over there and you rescue them from that it was like it never worked it was, it was like a whole thing you know? so it was like me and a bunch of like janitor dudes like We'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, so like some person selling like spaghetti. Just strolling in Epcot to pick up chips. Yeah, and it'd be like, you know, like like someone selling, like, yeah, like selling like, you know, like uh, <laughs> like in Japan selling, yeah. you know. Because that was the one place like we didn't origami. We didn't go because when I went uh, with my friends, um, we got in for free because they, they worked at Disney. And uh, it we didn't go to Epcot or, or the – um, Animal Kingdom. I really wanted to go to the mm. Animal Kingdom because that's where Pocahontas is. Uh, and like my two favorite princesses were not in Magic Kingdom because they were, well, okay, so Merida was there and I got to meet Merida and that was like pretty exciting mm-hmm. for me. Um, I definitely freaked out a little bit, <laughs> even though I was like, this is a 20 year old girl in a costume, but I was like, no, this is Merida. Like by the time I got to the stage, no, I was like, this is her. I'm meeting her right now. Okay. This is so cool. Well, that's the thing. It, <laughs> it is like you just you give yourself over to it, and that's that's it the so other cool. thing. Is, like, and I got to shoot a little fake bow and arrow, and that was great. Um, well, that's the thing is like I'm telling you, like working there, you would think you'd be like all cynical and whatever because yeah, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of things you don't like about it. But I bring my kids there all the time, and mm-hmm. my feeling is like you the same way when you work there, you want it to be real for the kids that are there. Yeah, I you know, we just understand like that. Fish and all that stuff too. You want it to be real for your kids in the way that it's because as much as it is like it's a commercial place and it's selling stuff and all of that too. You know, there's so many stories that you love from childhood with Pixar. I was just watching Toy Story literally today with my kids, Toy Mm. Story 3. And there's so many things that are just such good examples of acceptance, inclusion, and all that kind of stuff in the culture of Disney and its stories and its... its, um, I still love a lot of it, for sure. And, like, I'm I'm in your camp with that. Like, I I think... think Inside Out this week. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? No, I'm taking my kids this weekend. I so. just saw it. I actually really liked it. It was really fun. Good. Um, but yeah, I know because I so I really loved. I grew up. Mulan was my favorite. Mulan was my favorite princess because she had a sword and she was really badass. Um, she is pretty badass. <laughs> which was always I was way more into that than like the pretty princess or Sleeping Beauty because that's just the kind of person I am. I was like. She's rad and she dresses as a dude and she has a sword. Um, And then when we went to Disney, I was like, okay, the only princesses I want to meet are Pocahontas, Mulan, and Merida. And they're like, well, (laughs) you're screwed. They're in three different parks. Mulan is in in, in Epcot. In Epcot, yeah. Yeah, and Pocahontas is an animal kingdom kingdom. usually, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Merida, we're – I don't know where, where Merida was. Merida was in, was in Magic Kingdom, but she was in like a weird... We went to her partially. I mean, she was the one that I wanted to meet if I was going to meet a princess. And they were like, oh, yeah, her line is always the shortest because like nobody cares. And I was just like, 
What? She's the best. I thought that movie was great. She fights for her own hand. (laughs) It's like the closest. I I don't know. Disney doesn't get that feminist that often, but that movie was pretty rad. Um, So we went and it was actually really awesome. And then uh, when we when Jeremy and I went to Disney together uh, in California, I hadn't been to that one. And we went um, because they had the Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion, which was the greatest experience Mm. of my life. Pretty much. I. Yeah, I freaked out so much. We went on it like three times. Um, but they had... Yeah, Haunted Mansion is so cool. So cool. So, But they had people dressed as Jack and Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. And when we went there, I I texted Drew, uh, Drew Roush, who drew Scissorhands, and he was like, oh my God, that's crazy. They're never there. They do it like four days a year. They just never have Jack and Sally. And yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, just totally. And only recently, and apparently around Christmas time, sometimes they have like... But only at the Orlando one, they have a Jack dressed as Santa. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, my God. Um, but the line for them was like three hours long. There was just – there's no way that we were getting to it. I was so, so mad. I just really wanted to meet them. <laughs> well, one time we should get Forever and WonderCon together. We go to Disneyland. Oh, my God. Fun. That would be a I'd dream. I want to know. I want to go because I want to get all the inside information as we walk around and be like – I'm sure we'll remember more as I yeah, go around. That's even fine. though I was at Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So I was going to go into. So when you left, you when you left Disney and went and and actually did school uh, and moved mm-hmm. into <laughs> moved into your career. How long was it after you graduated that you started like really doing comics? It was a long time, or it was a while. So what happened to me was like I always wanted to do comics all the way through college, and then I just didn't. Know how to, I didn't know how to pursue it once mm-hmm. I realized I wasn't probably good enough to draw them. And I, it's silly because I knew there were writers and I followed certain writers, but I, it just didn't seem accessible. I didn't know how you break into that, whereas I had at college you could, you could take classes in fiction, and I knew mm-hmm. that those teachers would help me get into that world. So I fell more into that, and then um, I I wrote a book of short – I went to grad school, and then I wrote a book of short stories in grad school, and I was yeah. lucky enough to – I was. I placed um, the stories that I had written in in magazines, um, like uh, literary magazines, like Zoetrope and One Story and Tin House and these places. And um, the more I built that up, I, I found an agent, and then she helped me sell the book to uh, Random House, to Dial at Random House. And so I sold a book of short stories and um, a novel. And what happened was the novel was just an outline at the mm-hmm. time and the book and it, this was back in 2005 I sold this so the economy was like awesome at the time <laughs> and everybody was getting a book deal and the book deals were lucrative and it was like Jonathan Safran Four and, mm-hmm. and all those people that were all these young writers were like hey we're going to make movies in their books and so the short story collection came out it did well and then the um, I was working on the novel and the economy just started to contract um, and it it was like two, this is 2007, 2008. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, the novel I was writing was about a barnstormer. It was like, I, I still want to do it. I mean, I'd love to do it as a comic, but it was basically about a, a guy who, um, in, it's, a, it's based on a real historical incident where in 19, I think it was 1919, um, Hearst, like, you know, William Randolph Hearst offered $50,000 to anybody that could fly across the country in 30 days or less because yes. he felt Europe was getting ahead of us in the air race. Mm-hmm. And so this is like when planes are like literally it's it's they're like you know um, or it was sorry it was like 1911 so it's sort of pre World War One planes are like linen they're like Wright brothers planes mm-hmm. and so this one a guy tried to do it in real life this guy Kelbreth Rogers 
he crashed like 17 times along the way and like there's all these pictures of him with like a cast on his arm and a black eye and he's like thumbs <laughs> up you know he's blind again oh and he didn't God. make it he didn't even come close to making it but I wanted to write about um uh, what if what if the book was basically about his, his a fictionalized version of his journey but there were other people competing with him in, in this trip across the country in these early planes so it wasn't something that like Jerry Bruckheimer was going to come busting down my door to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I loved it. It was really, it was about that moment when this thing of invention that was going to become really commercial and part of our everyday lives was still this wondrous machine that could take you 10,000 feet in the air and was like a kite, you know? And, and it was about his life and the things he was running from. And anyway, so I did this whole thing. And as I was writing it, it became clear to me that they were getting more and more concerned that it wasn't going to pay them back this big, big advance that when you write a book and they, let's say they give you like a six figure advance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or a six figure two book deal for a short story collection and a novel. Mm-hmm. The, the, most of the money is weighted towards the acceptance of the novel. So it sounds like a lot of money, but you actually just get a, a small amount of money or a reasonable amount of money for the story collection. And then for the novel, it's not like they give it to you and then you write it. It's like you write it and then if they like it, they give it to you. And I just did not understand that. That was my my complete idiocy mm-hmm. and so um i was like hey i got this book deal it's gonna be safe we got i got married to my my fiance who's now still my wife and and um we moved and we we were like you know she started medical school and we were like this is gonna be great and then i started reading this book and as i started handing it in i was like huh they seem kind of nervous about it and i started to realize that it wasn't going to the, the money that was promised to me if they accepted it would, would mean it needed to do very well, like to to pay mm-hmm. that money back. And that they were more they had initially not been concerned with that. It was more about building me as somebody in their stable. Right. But now they were concerned about, and rightly so. <laughs> like credit to them, we're so friendly. I like completely understand what, what happened and where they were coming from. And honestly, once I realized that, it became this torturous, terrible relationship where. I was drinking too much. I was like writing at home alone, um, miserable, because I knew I was just trying to make it the book they wanted so that I could pay them back somehow and get the money because we had a mortgage. And I was, mm-hmm. I literally, I was started, I was tutoring. I went back, I was tutoring the kind of kids I went to high school with. I was, you know, working uh, at Barnes and Noble on the weekend, just anything I could do to make money. Mm-hmm. It was, it was awful, you know, and um, in this time, um, my buddy Owen King, who had gone to writing school with me, and he was like, "I'm doing an anthology of superhero stories, and um, I want literary writers to come make up their own superheroes." And I was like, "I would love to do that." And um, I remember my wife being like, "Why are you doing that? Like, if you just finish this book, you know, we, we could get the money and you, we could pay for our house." And I was like, "I need to do something for myself. It's just fun. It'll take me a month. Like, just let me write this story, please." And she was like, "Okay, sure." So I wrote the story, and it was it was very – most of the stories in the book were, like, humorous. It was, like, uh, you know, superheroes and a support group for, for, for heroes with terrible powers. And mm-hmm. it was, like, you know, one of the guys, like, he, his power was he never had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that was it. He was always like, but where does it all go? And, like, um, another story was about the meerkat. And they were, most of them were funny. And mine was, like, very, very straight ahead. And um, we did a launch for the book, a little reading. And at the reading, these two editors came, a woman and a man, Janine Schaefer and Mark Doyle. Oh. I know. And they came and they were like, is anyone here serious about comics? 
And and later they told me that they had liked my story and that they had come there to to talk to me, which really made my yeah, world. They are the greatest. But so they were like, "Are you serious about comics?" And I had comics in my bag. I was like, "I love comics and superheroes." I had Secret Invasion at the time. I think was going on. <laughs> I had in my bag. And um and um they were like, "Would you like to pitch for DC and Marvel?" And I was like, "Yes, I would." Oh God. And um what so I started you? pitching for Janine first. And uh, I pitched for Marvel, and I got a. She she hired me to do this Human Torch one shot, mm-hmm. and I remember going into my LCS, a Fourth World Comics in Long Island, and literally I had been going there. I had already been out, and we'd moved to Long Island in about 2002, and this is 2005, 2000, sorry, 2008. So I had been going this to the store for a while, and I remember coming in and being like, "Guess what, Chris?" I was like, I just got a chance to pitch for writing comics. And he was like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, yes, give me everything you have on the original Human Torch. And the original Human Torch, who is not Johnny Storm, was the robot. They had like one comic. So like, here you go. You know, and I remember getting it and being like, all right, this will be a short research session. But um, I, I wrote for Janine and I wrote for Mark. I pitched American Vampire to him and um, – well, first I was pitching for Janine, and the funny thing was, like, I would, I would, I would kind of be, I was sort of a dick where I would bitch about one of them to the other. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, my Marvel editor, I never hear back from her, and then she would call like five minutes later, and then. To, <laughs> Did, so you didn't, you didn't know. <laughs> no, it's Marvel. I'm, I was like, you know, my DC editor, he doesn't give me notes like you give me. I wish he would. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I would get all these notes. And obviously they were dating, and I had not realized that they were on one of their first dates, I think, at the, oh. at the um, and now they're married, and they have a kid, Marco, who we all joke is Marco. like the great DC Marvel crossover. I, I talked at a panel guys. about her being like Hazel from Saga, like the child that brings <laughs> together these two <laughs> warring planets. These warring races, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, and there are two, obviously, I, you know, I talked to Mark, and Mark has been my editor on American Vampire, and on. Um, on Batman now, um, so he is a hundred. He's like one of my absolute best friends in the world, and mm-hmm. Janine is too. And, and you know, we're literally they're like you know two. I couldn't be. There's nobody I could think of that I'm like closer to than, than I them. So I love them so much. Um, Janine is Janine is the greatest. <laughs> she's so excited for me to potentially move to LA. Every time I talk to her, she's like, "When are you coming? We have to hang out." They're um, both the greatest. And so that's how I got into comics. And then, that's well, the, awesome. the one thing is the caveat is just to credit my wife who just went to bed. But she, mm-hmm. um, there was a point where I was like pitching for Janine a lot. And I was like, I want to get an exclusive. Like I want some security. And um, my wife was like, you know, your book, you still have this book. Like, you know, if you write it, we could, we could, you could get this big advance. It's a lot more than these comics that pay like, pay nothing because mm-hmm. comics still you know they were paying nothing at the, you know i mean not that they they were then i just mean for me because unless you get an exclusive contract you're writing regularly it's still like you know mm-hmm. a couple thousand bucks for an issue at most and you know what i'm saying like i know after taxes but, yeah it's not a lot of money. It's, it's, nobody goes into comics to make a lot of money I mean, yeah i'm i've been very very lucky and you know all the stuff that you know, but but no one gets into it for that, obviously. And the um the <laughs> and um my wife was like, you know, why are you doing this when if you just wrote the book, you you'd finish it. And I was like, I remember having this talk with her in her kitchen. I was like, you know, I I am I'm legitimately like I've been depressed a few times in my life, like really depressed. And and that book, I was I I, I was so depressed writing that book that I mm-hmm. thought I was you know I was I, literally I was like 
I was drinking too much. I was just a mess. And I was like, this is the one thing I'm doing that actually, I, I like, I found joy in writing again when I hated writing for many, many months, like mm-hmm. over a year working on that thing alone. And she was great. She was like, you know, let's take out a loan and like pitch for real. Like don't just pitch little things, like pitch, you know, your series. So I pitched American Vampire to Mark. <laughs> Almost didn't make it. It got rejected, and then they decided to accept it. And wow. I was so grateful. I remember exactly where I was. I was teaching at NYU, and I was down there, and I was about to go tutor this rich kid <laughs> down there. And I was like, I got the call from Mark where he was like, I know that we said we didn't want it. And I had rewritten it after they had said they didn't want it, written, rewritten the pitch and begged them to look at it one more time. Um because I had written it from Skinner's point of view and their response was basically not Mark's, but, but the higher ups were like, it's a vampire Western. And I was sort of like, and they were like, Westerns don't sell. And I was like, it's not a Western. And I rewrote it from Pearl's point of view. And I was like, Pearl's the main character as well. Mm-hmm. And then they accepted it. And I was like, Pearl will forever be my favorite character <laughs> like in the world that I've ever written ever because she got me into comics. And then I remember where I was when Mark was like, you know, that series, we're taking it. And I was like, I am officially a comic writer. And I called <laughs> the publisher. I called, I called um, Random House and I was sort of like, listen, you know, this isn't working. You guys know it. I know it. Why don't we dissolve the book deal? And you never have to worry about paying me this. And then, uh, and they were, they were great. They were relieved. <laughs> like I was relieved <laughs> and it was just like dissolved and we're, we're friendly. And they actually, the funniest thing is that the guy who was my editor there back then, Noah, he just got back in touch last year. He's a comic fan. And he was like, you know, we started doing graphic novels, going to graphic novel together sometime. I was like, yeah, sure. So, um, anyway, that's how I got into comics. That's like my origin story. I love it. Because <laughs> American Vampire was the first, <laughs> the first thing of yours I think that I read, um, and it's still, it's still my favorite thing of mine, honestly. I know it sounds crazy because everyone's like Batman, and well, this is the thing is I that mean, we, I was talking with Jeremy uh, about this as I was getting ready for the show, and I was like, I feel so weird because I've read I've read so much of Scott's stuff, but I've only read like the first twelve issues of Batman. <laughs> so I was like, let's <laughs> let's just not talk about Batman. I mean, which sounds awful because I'm gonna be like, oh, it's a comics podcast with the guy who writes Batman. No. And we talked about Disney for an hour. <laughs> Don't be so, I get to talk Which about Batman all the time. Yeah. And I love Batman. I'm so, I mean, just to be clear, like, I really feel like, um, I guess what it is, it's like, yeah, and you, you know this, it's like when you're working on something, the whole goal is to make it personal. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the, that's the golden rule. And I teach too. It's like, you can only write the comic that you'd like to pick up and read, mm-hmm. and whether that's memoir or it's political or it's superhero, it's com- whatever it is like. And with a character like Batman, that has to be the way you proceed or you just get intimidated by it. It has to be like, this is about my anxieties through Batman, the things that keep me up at night through mm-hmm. Batman. So I'm very proud of Batman. Like I, it, it is, it is largely like, I feel like you can see the exact same things that, that are in my pre work in terms of the things that I'm afraid of or <laughs> that I feel worried that are true about myself, all these kinds of things in Batman. But American Vampire to me is the first place I had, to go to do everything I love. And it's a place I can put anything I like. Like mm-hmm. you see it, you see like, you know, like <laughs> honky tonk glitter, you know, rhinestone cowboys mm-hmm. and starlets. Yeah. And, the more I get my- to talk to you about it, the more it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So that's, it really is like my, it's the, it's like if I had to put one thing in a space capsule or something and be mm-hmm. like, this represents me, that series, as much as it sells much under anything I do, otherwise and also is more under the radar um 
and, and I wouldn't even say it's, I mean, witches to me, for example, is, I'm as proud of witches and, and, and Batman as well. I'm proud of them equally. It's just that witches is like intensely personal mm-hmm. about things, a very particular set of fears and very particular set of, you know, humiliating sorts of <laughs> worries. And, and, and Batman is like all about this love of, 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 um, this character, but worked through again, like a lot of my own, my own, you know, um, anxieties. I mean, I think are there. American Vampire is like a celebration of everything I like. That's that's what I love about going back to that series. Is that it is about my worries, about mortality, and things. You can find the same themes in it, but it's mm-hmm. it's much more celebratory. It's sort of like when I want to go talk about like Area Fifty One, <laughs> like that's where I get to go, you know, or Hot Rods and. And all of that. So it's a book that I, I love going back to so deeply because it's so well, and it's, it's cool so to have that to option too, where you can yeah. you can have you know those multiple things. I honestly like when I was getting ready to call you, I was so certain we were just gonna talk about witches the entire time because I'm I love it. I love it. I am oh, obsessed thanks. with witches. Jeremy and I both are like so in and i missed the fifth issue like i bought it i bought two copies when i was in la and i think jeremy ended up with both of them um (laughs) but so i went back and read the sixth one and was like oh shit i don't i'm i'm lost i (laughs) i missed something (laughs) and so went and bought it again on comiXology because it was like it's in california and i don't want to wait um but i'm love i love it I think it's so awesome. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, I love like... I love good horror comics, and it's not a thing that's done a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has scary elements, but like like Harrow County and stuff like that, I just... And, you know, Lock and Key is one of my favorites, so... It's... Uh, me too. I love Lock and Key. So... Well, thanks. I, I'm really excited. We're working on an arc, too, right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the rumor... Like, there's a rumor that got out there that we were only doing one arc. I think it was in Paste or, I don't know, something. Someone printed something, and then I've been, like, inundated But it's, it's going to keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it feels like it is. Place. I mean... Yeah, well, Stiller, she joins up with this group, the Irons, that Clara mm. was a part of, the Hunts Witches, and now she goes around burning these burrows around the country, and their base or where she stays with them is in the southwest in the desert. And, um, oh, nice. They kind of believe they're safe because there's no trees, and then this breed of witches that are these sand, these kind of sand creature witches, that come kind of beneath the ground and, and attack them. And it's really, <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm, I love it. I'm like really happy with it. But it's also, um, it's also like if the first arc is about kind of the wonders and terrors of being a parent, the second arc is really about letting go of your parents, like whether you're my age and your parents um, are getting older, and you have to kind of come to terms with the idea that. You know they're they're in the mm-hmm. they're in the latter part of their life, or you're a teenager and you feel like you're breaking away from them in some way. And so she starts to learn that there might be this place where people that have betrayed the witches are kept as these kind of undead sort of workers, slaves, the way Annie was for them. Oh and she starts to believe that Charlie might be there. And so she that's kind of the, that's sort of the premise of it. So I'm really I'm, so I'm excited, really excited about that. <laughs> We went out yeah, my, my... You more about like, yeah, you learn about like the history of witches and, and nice. where they are around the world and all that stuff and so it expands it a bit. It's it's funny how much it stuck with me, uh because mom and I my mom and I went uh to this like sort of bed and breakfast in thing a couple uh like a week and a half ago over the weekend and uh 
the cabins are separate from the main lodge where you go to like if you need snacks or a drink or whatever. So you have to walk down this road. And I did it at night and it, the place is very heavily wooded. And I just kept, <laughs> I was like, whew, it's freaking me out. And it doesn't normally, you know, woods have never been a, a particular source of fear for me. But I was just like, this comic has got, has really gotten my head about it. And it's kind of exciting when that happens. So yeah well growing up in the city like a tree was always scary (laughs) because you're like what is that tree (laughs) so (laughs) now i like live all among them yeah and that must be very helpful in terms of writing the book because you're kind of in that environment now Uh, yeah it it is it's spooky but it's i love what i love about the book was that like um it gave me a chance to make up a monster that it's like my favorite horror is always you know, the monster is scary, but it's scary because it's an extension of the things that people will do to each other or the mm-hmm. reflection of sort of um, the way the writer sees the world at that time. And so like, you know, the pet cemetery is scary, but it's scary because we use it, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so here having a monster that's visually frightening and all of that, but only comes after you because someone gave you to them and that's the worst crime. It was a lot of fun because it, it, I just knew it would allow us to, Jock and me both to um, Jock and I both to to sort of explore the darker sides of the characters of the book. That's mm. awesome. So it's it's been a real joy. Um, I'm gonna wrap us up and let you and let you get to either sleep or work, depending. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Batman's still coming out. Um, which is uh still coming out or is it on break? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, well, it's on break right now. It's coming okay. out. It's going to start up again in the winter. Jock's actually doing an issue of Batman with me. He's oh, doing sweet. Issue That's awesome. So, yeah, so we're doing a special issue together. And then I'm doing this book with Jeff Lemire called After Death that starts in the winter as well. I'm really excited about it. So it's sort of like imagines a world um, where death is curable. And um, it spans like a few thousand years. So I'm really oh, nice. I'm really excited. It's more of a literary kind of book than I've done in a while. So it's, <laughs> it has a lot more prose and it has a lot more sort of, um, it's more anecdotal and meandering. It doesn't have the same kind of huge plot that I'm used to doing in, in Batman and American Vampire and stuff. So it gives me more room to play. So I'm excited about that one too. Um, are you going to be at San Diego? Do you do? Is that yes, like an obligation? I, am. I, am. I don't have a booth or anything. Yeah, I don't have, they don't. But they'll As a writer, you, I just didn't get a booth. But, they'll sign, yeah, they'll but make be, you sign things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post my schedule and I'll okay, be, cool. I'll be um, signing, like, have at least one signing at the DC booth and the image booth. So mm-hmm. I'll be around. And, Sweet. Yeah, I'm sure I won't be hurt to find. <laughs> um, so if people want to find you on internet, because uh, you're not Scott Snyder on Twitter. You have, like, a different name. No, it's Elvis's birthday. Like I was saying, I'm a big oh. Elvis fan, and it's S. Snyder. It's one eight thirty five. It's January 8th, 1935. So. Oh, my God. I was wondering it's about that. It's just an Elvis reference. Perfect. <laughs> um, so you're going to be at San Diego, and then I assume probably a couple other shows uh, throughout the year. Yeah, I'm going to um, Boston in August because um, Mark's going and get to hang out and catch up, and Sean Murphy is going to be there for a bit. Awesome. And then uh, Baltimore in September. So That's awesome. Well, Scott, yeah. thank you so much for talking to me. This is amazing. I can't believe how much I learned about about Disney. This has been, this has been a real pleasure, Kate. You got to do it again. Honestly, yeah, I'd we totally to should anytime. Um, so yeah, anybody who I I don't even like it's plugging you is so silly because you're the easiest person to find. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for you. Have a great time at San Diego. I'm so sad that I'm missing it. Um, but. Uh, 
Have fun. Have fun. You know, and, and with everything. San Diego's nutty. It's nice no. to rest. Next year. Too, so. Next year. <laughs> Next year. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. And thanks again. Oh, thank you so much, Scott. Have a great night. You too. Bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. San Diego Comic-Con is either happening or just happened. Uh, I'm either about to sign or have just signed issue one of Power Up at Third Eye in Annapolis, Maryland. And, well, everything is insane. God. Like, so, just, whew, I need sleep, you guys. If you want to, why not rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher in the meantime? If you like this show and want to help those of us without Donald's discounts live a comfortable life, consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash less than live. Got questions or want more? You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LTLcast, and get show notes after every episode on lessthanlivecast.tumblr.com. Hope you're enjoying the summer, but don't forget your sunscreen, okay? I'm watching. I'll know. So put it on, okay? Okay. I'll miss you. Amnesia Forgetful Face. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. Ooh, Lord. You nasty.